CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now! Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Cooper alongside Michael Garrell. Happy Thanksgiving, Mike. Yes, Ryan, happy Thanksgiving to you, and happy Thanksgiving to all our listeners and everyone in the CFL podcast community. Absolutely. Uh, Thanksgiving Monday, uh, 7.30 p.m., we're recording this here. Um, we had a football game go on earlier today. That was a great way to spend Thanksgiving Monday. I hope everyone's enjoyed the, their Thanksgiving so far. Time with family, friends. Hopefully football was involved in some way. Uh, and you just had an overall great weekend. Um, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, we kind of want to take the time today to do a Thanksgiving-themed episode of the podcast. And so what we're going to do here is... We're going to go through each of the nine teams in the CFL and kind of discuss a little bit what fans of each of these teams have to be thankful for in terms of the team so far this season. Um, We're doing it, uh, so not necessarily, I guess, in the history, but looking at the teams right now, what, what do they have to be thankful for either right now or going into the future? Does that make sense, Mike? Absolutely. All right, then uh, who do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with the neighbors to the west, and then I was thinking we could kind of start, you know, since Winnipeg is in the middle, go west of Winnipeg all the way, and then you can do the same. So eventually we'll end up in the first half an hour of this podcast, hopefully going what would be west of Winnipeg, and then east of Winnipeg to basically the coast in the second half of the podcast. Works fine for me, so uh, take us away. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, given what Saskatchewan has been through, you know, last year, the year before especially, and even the way they started this year, I read a stat somewhere that they were 4-2 and two in their last six or 5-2 and two in their last seven, uh, coming up really... Uh, interesting trip where they didn't even come home after that, you know, game in what would have been Ottawa. They stayed out east, went into Toronto, pulled off another gritty win. I dare say that the right is most important thing to be thankful for is that management stayed the course with Chris Jones. It would have been easy to tan him when things weren't going well. Now they're reaping the benefits of staying with Chris Jones. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point there, and that's uh, that's something I was going to say uh, to be thankful for out of Saskatchewan as well, is that, you know, like I've said many times, Chris Jones is a unique individual, I think is the best way to put it. Crazy at times, skeptical at times, his tactics, yes, but it's clear what he's done with the rebuild in Saskatchewan is it, it has them going in the right direction right now. Uh, he basically came in and completely cleared house there uh, when he started there prior to last year, was correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, because after the Eskimos won the Cup in 2015, that's when he went over to Saskatchewan. So 
Uh, yep. I mean, he's two years into the rebuild. This Saskatchewan team is a fun team to watch right now. I think they have a lot of potential to them. Um, and that, that defense especially. I mean, Chris Jones has really put together a strong defense. Last couple of weeks, maybe not so much. Uh, they're a little bit banged up and are having issues stopping the run. But uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, from what they were a year or two ago to what they are now, uh, a tremendous improvement. Uh, tremendous improvement, Ryan. And I think it starts that they finally have a reputable quarterback in stable that they can work with. And yes, Brandon Bridge has solidified himself as the noteworthy number two in uh, Saskatchewan, something they haven't had in a while. Another thing, too, don't underestimate the addition of Vernon Adams for future. Absolutely. I think the Riders have set themselves up greatly at the quarterback position. Kevin Glenn, not playing the greatest the last couple of weeks, but look at earlier in the season. This was his best start to the season of his career. Uh, Brandon Bridge has really come into his own, and I love watching Brandon Bridge play because he is a Canadian quarterback, which you don't see too often in the CFL. Ryan, I know you have love and lots of love for the Canadian quarterbacks. Absolutely. You know, it's it's a rare occasion and to see in the Canadian Football League a Canadian quarterback get the chance to play and succeed. We've seen Brandon Bridge pick up, what, now two or three wins on the season. Um and it was kind of, you know, we were wondering that coming into this year, I think, was the major question. Is it okay they have Kevin Glenn at quarterback, but what happens if Kevin Glenn gets injured? You know, like, who do the riders have behind that? Because we hadn't really seen much from Brandon Bridge, uh, and now we've seen him play. And, and there are people, you know, talking about a potential quarterback controversy in Saskatchewan right now, the way Bridge has been playing lately. So, as a fan of the CFL as a whole, I am thankful for Brandon Bridge, because I love watching him play. You know, I'm thankful, too, that Saskatchewan found some characters that they're able to, and I'll define them as characters, uh, because then I don't mean that in a mean way. Like, let's be clear here. They're great individuals on the defense. I just, for some reason, like to refer to them as characters. But that being said, I think Saskatchewan finally found some continuity on a defensive line that can bring some substantial pressure led by Willie Jefferson. Absolutely, I would agree with you. Um, this is a team that's trending upwards going forward this season. I think they'll make it into the playoffs. Next year, I think they could do even better than that. Um, so lots to be thankful for, I would say, right now in Saskatchewan. When this rebuild started, we thought it was going to take quite a long time. At least I did. Uh, and it very quickly, Chris Jones has turned around this team uh, on offense at the wide receiver position. They have some of the best wide receivers in the league. You can tell those guys are having fun out on the football field with all of their celebrations. That, that, that to me, is something to be thankful for as well, that the you have these guys on your team that are not only going out and playing because it's their job, but that you can tell they're having fun doing it. Exactly. Here's another thing. I, I, I never realized this, but apparently Willie Jefferson, I was reading somewhere, used to be on the offensive side of the football, recently translated to defensive, as as does uh, and as has A.C. Leonard. So there seems to be something with Chris Jones finding athletes and being able to convert them. Sure, there's a little bit of a step back as well, 
with, you know, the learning curve moving to a position, so to say. But I'll tell you what, they found something that works. Let's move on to another team here, Mike, and let's move on to the BC Lions continuing out west. Um, not the best season given what we expected from them so far this season, uh, coming into the year, but there's certainly been some positives. What do the what do Lions fans have to be thankful for? You know, the usual suspect, Solomon Aluminium has been an animal this year. He's been really, really good. They have a really, really good receiving core. Um, the one thing, if I may call an audible here and say where they need to maybe develop, they they need they need. I'm trying to trying to figure out a way to word this, but it made sense. It doesn't even make sense in my head. But <laughs> if I could throw a flag, so to say. On BC, rather than being thankful for anything, at least to start. Sure. I, I never realized how much of a lot of talent they had on their offensive line. Mm. Certainly some offensive line struggles so far for BC this year. Getting back and, to the positive side, I would say, you know, obviously it's a huge negative that Travis Lule went down with this season-ending and possibly career-ending injury. But what I want to say is a positive that I'm thankful for as a fan of the CFL as a whole, and I know Reliance fans are, that we got to see Travis Lule return to the status, to the level of play he used to be at for a couple games this season, because... That, how, how how can you not cheer for a guy like Travis Lule? He's probably, I would say, one of the most liked guys in the CFL. Uh, former most outstanding player. Uh, injuries kind of took him away from that. And to see him come back for a couple games this year and get to get back to that level of football we used to see from him, that, that to me was fun. I loved it. Yeah, and you know what? Travis Lule, he is... One of the CFL good guys, and then then there's a lot of them, Ryan, that are like, and by good guys I mean guys that are universally respected amongst their peers. Absolutely, yeah, he's he's one of them up there for me. I love I love Travis Lule. I, I it's hard. He's one of those guys you can't help but root for, uh, no matter which team you're a fan of. Exactly. Um, for the Lions as well, I think you know he's been around for so long, but I don't. I you can't help but be thankful to have Wally Buono. He's obviously a Hall of Fame guy. Uh, is he already or no? I guess he's not because he's still coaching. But eventually, he is basically a lock to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and to if you throw back to a couple years ago, you know he kind of stepped away from the sidelines. They tried a couple things out. It wasn't working. He took a huge risk coming back to coach this football team because, of what, like, what did he really have to gain from it, you know? Um, and he did that a couple years ago. And so to see a legendary coach like Wally Buono on that sideline for BC, to me, that's something I, I enjoy. Absolutely. I, I will not argue with that, that on that front. I just have to wonder here if the legacy of Wally Buono maybe takes a hit. Just from a sense that, you know, Wally kind of wants to do what Hafnadel did in Calgary, and that set his successor up for success. I just don't know if I see a situation 
We'll see how the Lions finish the year, but if they keep trending in this direction, would not surprise me, honestly, if Wally Wan was back for another year on the sideline to see if he can turn the ship around. That's interesting that you mentioned that, maybe trying to pull that John Huffnagel and kind of, you know, set things up for your next guy like Huffnagel did with Dave Dickinson. Does VC have a guy that you think is kind of the next successor to Wally Buono? And if so, who is it? Maybe Kahari Jones. Kahari Jones is one of those guys that we've been wondering for a while. Is he going to get to the head coach position? Uh, I, I, I don't know if that's the case. Maybe it is. Um, but I would agree with you that he's probably the most likely out of everyone in BC currently uh, to come in and be the head coach uh, if Wally does step down at the end of the uh, at the end of the year. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's a, it's a really interesting thing here, Ryan, because I mean, I I look at you know Wally Bueno. He's one of those well-spoken guys. Wally just doesn't seem to want to leave things on a sour note. And I would dare say that the way the the way the BC Lions have been playing lately, especially with the way they started, that things aren't on a sour note. Absolutely. Um, another thing to kind of end off with the Lions, I would say, is their wealth at the uh, the running back position. Jeremiah Johnson, absolutely one of the top running backs in the CFL. And then to have Chris Rainey yet, too, who's such an explosive return man and has been used in different ways in that offense is certainly an asset to that BC Lions team. I would put the same as their, as their wide receivers, too. You know, when you look at, you know, the Lions of Brian Burnham, Chris Williams, etc 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 moving on to the calgary stampeders this is one of those football teams that i mean that you're gonna ha- find you're gonna have a hard time finding negatives to talk about with them so there's a heck of a lot to be thankful for uh if you had to pinpoint it for the stampeders what what would you say would be the number one thing to be thankful for yeah continuity but they haven't had to fire anybody but every transition has seemingly been well executed with no bumps in the road. Everything seems to be going swimmingly in Calton. And absolutely, I would agree with that. Uh, like you said, the uh, the continuity. We, there was maybe a bit of concern, wasn't there, when Huffnagel stepped down, Dave Dickinson was going to take over as head coach, that, okay, do the Calgary Stampeders finally take a bit of a step back? But last year in Dave Dickinson's first year as head coach for the Calgary Stampeders, they didn't they go 15 16 and 2 uh 16 1 and 1 or something like that 16 15 2 and 1 i think maybe it was 15 uh, 2 and 1 that's what it was yeah so i mean they didn't really take a step back at all at the head coaching position dave dickinson's done an incredible job um offensively i mean how can you not be thankful for bo levi mitchell this guy is incredible just looking at his record alone as much as you don't uh, you know, maybe quarterback wins shouldn't be considered a premier stat in the CFL um, because it's a, an entire team effort. But if you look at his win-loss record, I think he has eight losses in his entire career and something like 45 wins, which is, uh, that's incredible. It, it's unbelievable how good the Calgary Stampeders have been for the last couple of years. Here's another thing. Lots of injury at the quarterback position. Is something to be painful for. Absolutely. Um, recent 
history shows quarterbacks across the league getting dinged up. I think it was not last year, maybe, but the year before, where every starting quarterback in the CFL went down that season, I think, except for Bo Levi Mitchell. And while he's dealing with perhaps a bit of a shoulder injury nagging him so far this season, he hasn't missed any time to it, and that's the major key. Uh, And having that reliable all-star future Hall of Fame quarterback uh, that's out there the entire season long, that certainly just helps you out so much. Absolutely. I think this year more than the past, than previous years, though, it's, it's really the defense to be thankful for in Calgary because this defense is is better than I've ever seen it before. Absolutely. And, and, and in particular, I would say Alex Singleton, who's a guy that I w- would expect to be a nominee for most outstanding defensive player of the year, second year in the league, having an absolutely incredible season. Even if the offense struggles, and I say this every week, that defense is incredibly hard to crack, and I, I don't know what the formula is in order to, to beat that defense. It's interesting because the line and offense, Hollywood, they were all offensive, and they couldn't really you know, get the defense to catch up to you know, the success of the offense. Now I would say Calgary is a much better team than what we've even seen in the last three years. A much more well-rounded team, I think, right, is what we're kind of trying to say with that. Yeah, yeah, and especially, you know, when you look at the way things could be and the amount of turnover, you know, with coaches leaving for different positions and all that kind of stuff. And uh, good news for the Stampeders, while they were on a bye this week, uh, coming into next week, a couple things to be thankful for there. They're getting two major pieces back in that offense. Uh, Devaris Daniels and Kamar Jordan looking to come off the injured list and be back in for the Stampeders, making them even more of a threat. So, something uh, else to be thankful for, a Hamilton win this week essentially gives Calgary the West Division title. Let's be honest, Calgary was going to get the West Division title anyways. Uh, I understand, but... While the Bombers kept it close for a little while, I, I think it, that's the best way to put it. Um, Calgary, we all knew all along it was going to be insanely tough to catch Calgary uh, because this is a team, in my opinion, that could go undefeated the rest of the season. Although they probably will be resting people in Week 20, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Bombers win in that case. Depends if the Bombers decide to rest some players, too. Very true. Uh, moving on to our fourth team out west, the uh, the team that finally snapped a six-game losing streak earlier today, Mike. I think that's a thing to be thankful for there. The Edmonton Eskimos, kind of a roller coaster year, but definitely, definitely a lot more positives early on, less positives lately, but certainly there's positives. Absolutely. So we're talking about Edmonton? Yes. Sorry, I just want to make sure I heard that right. Um... Yeah, no, I think even, you know, if you want to get into the game today, I saw some things that from Edmonton today that we didn't necessarily see in the last couple of games leading to the losing streak. Uh, what, what kind of things, particularly? Consistency on offense, some big and timely defensive plays. You know, when they were 7-0 and there, you could pretty much count, Ryan, on the defense of Edmonton making a timely play at the timely at the timely time. I, <laughs> I I think for me, 
uh, one of the most things that Eskimo fans should be thankful for. It's just the depth that this football team has with the number of injuries they've taken so far this year. While, while some are questioning, okay, seven-game win streak to start the season, then you lose six straight, was that seven-game win streak maybe a bit of a fluke? I, I, I think it plays to the depth they had on the football team. We saw guys step up that we we were not a, we had no idea were going to play or step up coming into this season. Um, so many injuries, and yet they go 7-0. and At the wide receiver position, their depth is absolutely incredible uh, to the point where you have a guy like Bryant Mitchell being scratched, who I would put in the lineup on a lot of CFL teams um, because he is, to me, a great wide receiver. You have a guy like Adarius Bowman, who's been one of the top receivers in the CFL in recent history, is almost like a decoy, is how I've heard it put today, for that Eskimos offense, because they're, they're, they're such a threat with Brandon Zilstra, who... Uh, talk about guys to be thankful for. This is a guy that a year ago today, around this time when he was playing his first game, if you would have told me Brandon Zilstra would be the top receiver in the CFL, I, I, I wouldn't have believed you, but uh, um, I, I don't think he quite got there today in yardage. I think he's still a couple yards behind Greg Ellingson, but Brandon Zilstra, that this is his football team now. It's more things than not, Ryan. The quality of catches that he made. And, and he did that again today, like you were saying with that game against Montreal today. It really got away from the Eskimos early on in that football game. It was a nightmare start. They fell down 15 nothing uh, to the Alouettes. Uh, and we were like, what are we watching here today? But then all of a sudden they get a drive going, three straight completions to Brandon Zilstra. And that's what they did today. They really relied on this guy who's been so clutch for them all, them all year long and has really been a guy that's carried this team. Yeah, and, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, it's really interesting for the fact that... Um, it's really interesting the fact that, you know, Edmonton has this ability to win the close games. And to and has a football team that can overcome something like what they've been through. Yep, yeah, I would agree with you on that. And to me, this if you want to talk about all the injuries that Edmonton had so far this year, which is an astronomical number, it has to be a CFL record for most guys on the six-game injured yeah. West in the season. Uh, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. To me, the thing to be thankful for is out of all those injuries none of them until this week were Mike Riley. Yeah, and then today you get the little ding up of Mike Riley. Yeah, well I'm told it's a I, I'm told it's a minor injury and I don't think it will keep Mike Riley out of a football game. Uh more so taken out in this one for precautionary reasons, I think. Um, but even to that, to have a guy like James Franklin, who looked pretty darn good in relief today as your backup in case something happens to Mike Riley, depth at the quarterback position, I would say, for the Edmonton Eskimos is a thing to definitely be thankful for. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you have on the Eskimos, uh, before we head out East and then circle back to finish off with the Bombers? I, I just, I really... I want to see what the Eskimos can do with the win today. How much of this was Edmonton playing really well versus Montreal making 
you know, Montreal kind of moves in the fourth quarter because it was a really close game up until the up until the uh, the late turnovers there, the pick six to Chris Edwards and yeah, yeah. So I want to see Edmonton follow it up with more consistent efforts. You know, I and I said this on our Twitter account earlier today. I I have to wonder if if the six game losing streak wasn't enough of a wake up call for the Eskimos who started seven and zero. You have to wonder if that disastrous first quarter and falling down fifteen nothing to the Montreal Alouettes uh, was enough of a wake up call for them to turn things around. Because since they fell down fifteen nothing, they went on a run of forty one to nine to win that football game, I believe. Um, so maybe that maybe that's what the doctor ordered for the Edmonton Eskimos, and we we could see renewed life from them going forward as they fight to continue to stay in that West Division playoff race. It's just a really interesting, uh, it's just a really interesting circumstance, uh, for sure. Uh, let's move out east here, Mike. Uh, pick a team out east. Who do you want to talk about first? Let's start with the team that's in first place to as of right now, the Toronto Argos. Well, I think the number one thing to be thankful for in Argoville would be the uh, the the health of Ricky Ray and the play he's delivered so far this year. We talked about a lot about how their entire season hinges on Ricky Ray staying healthy because they don't have that much depth at the quarterback position, and he's having one. I would say one of the best seasons of his career. Yeah, and I I just. Another thing that I, I would be thankful for if I'm the sorry, if I'm the Toronto Argonauts is Mark Trustman. The ability for Mark Trustman to MacGyver the pieces that he has to the success of a win. To the success of a winning culture. Yeah, he's he's done a tremendous job so far this season. Uh, the Argos coming into the year, we both had them, uh, I think, finishing last in the division, maybe even last in the CFL. Um, and they've done a heck of a job so far. That That's a great football team. Um, I would say as much as everyone's thought earlier in the season, oh, West team is going to go out East and then we're going to have an all-West Grey Cup. I, I, I would put a lot of emphasis, and uh, I, I would kind of put a bit of a halt on that, because I think the Toronto Argonauts are shaping up decently well to be a team that's going to make it to the Grey Cup this year. Yeah, and I, that, to me, that, to me, is a really interesting development uh, here with what's going on. Again, Ricky Ray needs to stay healthy. They should also be really thankful for James Wilder Jr., he he's brought a renewal to that run game that we haven't seen in a long time. Brandon Whitaker, uh, although still a heck of a football player, really didn't get a chance to get that involved with the Argos' offense over the last several years. Um, and James Wilder Jr. has come in the last couple weeks. Pardon me. And uh, he he's just uh, he's lit it up. He he's brought new life to that offense. Uh, it gives more room for Ricky Ray to find open receivers. Uh, you've seen that with S.J. Green, um, among others, Devere Posey, Armonte Edwards, all having great seasons as well. Uh, oh, how, about, how about Marquise Jackson? Marquise Jackson, the return guy in Toronto, heck of a season from him as well. You know, they used to have 
the best returner in the CFL in Chad Owens, I would say, although some might argue at the same time Brandon Banks could have been the best return guy. But then, obviously, Chad Owens left, and they've been trying to find guys since, and Martise Jackson is a heck of a kick returner. Absolutely. Um, how about S.J. Green? How can you not be thankful for the, first of all, the health of S.J. Green, that he was able to come back from that injury that basically put him out for all of last year, um, and to sit right now third in receiving yards in the CFL, and the fact that the Argos got him for, what was it, I think a sixth-round pick? Yeah, it's it's just mind-blowing. I, I would really want to look at reevaluating that trade, and maybe we should throw Jim Pop in the list of things that we need to be thankful for if you're an Argo fan. Absolutely. Uh, Pop and Tressman both combined have done a great job. You know, it's kind of funny. If you look at, like, the guys that Argos have brought in throughout the season and even before the season, a lot of them are former Alouettes. The guys that, you know, they had he had back when he was in Montreal. He's just kind of picked a bunch of former Alouettes and brought them over, and they're doing good in Toronto. Makes you wonder what the Alouettes owners were thinking. Cough, cough. <laughs> we'll get into that uh, possibly later. Um, defensively, I think the Argos have, have stepped up defensively this year as well. That defensive line has been incredible. Um, and it's all, an all-around team effort in Toronto, I think, is what it is right now. And uh, while, while at BMO Field, uh, it may not be packed every single week for every single home game. Uh, a lot of empty seats there. The fans that are there clearly appreciate the product that Jim Pop and Mark Tressman have put on the football field this season. Because the fans at BMO Field, uh, the ones that show up, are are as loud as any. I have a real concern. 15,000 people for a potential East Final for the right to go to the Grey Cup? You know when they're there, they'll be loud at least, though. I understand, but that's cornering embarrassing. To an extent, I would would agree with you on that. Anything else you got for the Argos, Mike, or uh, shall we move on to the Ottawa Red Blacks? Let's move on to the Grey Cup champion, Ottawa Red Blacks. And what do you got for that one? Well, for me, Trevor Harris, and that they got Trevor Harris back in a hurry, because to me, he's really good. Uh, a defense that has been good as well, and continuity for Ottawa. You know, a lot of the same pieces on the coaching staff. Um, receivers that are willing to go and make plays. It's just a really, really passionate fan base, too. Absolutely. And I would say for the Red Blacks, you know, they won the Grey Cup last year. First of all, that's a thing to be thankful for. Um, and I guess while we don't want to go back too far, and you can't go back too far with the Ottawa Red Blacks, the fact that, you know, even though they had Henry Burris there, uh, they still had, you know, the uh, kind of forward thinking to bring in Trevor Harris, uh, I believe it was two years ago, knowing that he's the future quarterback for the Ottawa Red Blacks. And, and clearly he's done a great job. I mean, he's one of the top passers in the league. He had another great game this week for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, and, and he's the leader on that offense. He's got some great weapons to work with, like you mentioned. 
Uh, Greg Ellingson, leading receiver in the CFL. You got a guy like Brad Sinopoli. Um, so that offense, I think there's a lot to be thankful for for Ottawa Red Blacks fans because it, it, it's an exciting offense to watch. For sure. And I think it really also, you know, if you want to talk about uh, being thankful for things, you'd be, there is a lot to be thankful for, even ownership, putting the right people in place so that they had to that's as quick as they did as an expansion franchise. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, that was pretty incredible that they got to the level of success they've been. Um, and, and I think a thing to be thankful for, even though their record doesn't show it this year, is that we've, you know, despite the losses they've had, the Ottawa Red Blacks fans have gotten a treated to a, a lot of exciting football games. Uh, talk about the number of close losses they've had this season. I, I don't think the Red Blacks have really been blown out besides that game, uh, uh, you know, where Ryan Lindley started against the Bombers. Yeah, again, it's... it's uh, Ottawa's a good football team. They just won't get in the results that they are now getting. They're, they're finding a way to come out on the right end of a lot of those games that they were losing early on in the season. Yeah, and they're starting to pick up the play a little bit. They picked up a key win against the BC Lions this week, um, putting them in a decent position to capture one of those playoff spots out east. I think Hamilton still controls their own destiny in that sense, uh, given that the Red Blacks unfortunately have two buys in the last two weeks, or in the last three weeks, um, which... Let's talk about, I guess, the that scheduling. The bye week, some may look at as at as a disadvantage um, due to having gone this far in the season without getting a week off. But if the Ottawa Red Blacks make the playoffs, they're going to be pretty well rested with only one game in three weeks. Yeah, especially if they end up getting first place from Ard or some way somehow. Well, I, I, I actually, I guess it is still possible. Uh, the Argos only needed a win this week and a Ticats loss in order to clinch first in the division, but obviously the Argos lost and the Ticats won. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely still up for grabs. Aren't they only one point back now? Uh, let me take a quick look on the standings here for you. Uh, yeah, they are only one point back. You are, you are, you are correct. So basically... A lot can still happen, is what you're telling me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the lot is still open in the East Division. Um, one team eliminated today. The Alouettes eliminated after their loss to the Eskimos. But, uh, you know, Toronto with the loss this week. Ottawa with the win. Ottawa could still pick up first in that division. Um, Hamilton is still in it after they won this week. So I think we're getting... Uh, well, the records aren't spectacular out East. We don't have a single team over 500. Um, we're, I think we're in for an interesting finish down the stretch between those three teams. I, I saw a scenario, too, where all five teams in the West could finish above 500. It is possible. Uh, the BC Lions would need two more wins in order to do so, uh, to get to 500 at least. But, um, yeah. So what do you see in the next step for Ottawa? Just uh, finish football games, I think. Like, what, sorry, I'll rephrase my question because sure. I, I, I don't know if that was clear to you. 
What do you hope that the Ottawa Red Blacks accomplish in the next couple weeks? That they get a little more consistency, I think. And like I said, with finishing football games, because while they pulled it out late this week, they they really blew... Or no, BC blew the lead this week. Sorry, ignore that comment. Um, you know, Ottawa pulled it out late. And I, that was exciting to see that they came all the way back down from being down so much against the BC Lions this week and pulled out a late win and managed to hold off the Lions from winning on the last second Hail Mary to Brian Burnham. Uh, this is a thing we'd earlier in the season, we, we didn't see the Eskimo, not the Eskimos, the Ottawa Red Blacks, sorry. Uh, we didn't see the Red Blacks um, finish off games like that earlier in the season. So this week we did. I think that's what I'm looking for from them going forward is just to you know keep that up consistency-wise. For sure. Uh, moving on to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Mike, a team that started the season 0-8. You would probably say at that point, what did they actually have to be thankful for? Um, in the last couple of weeks, quite a bit, isn't it? Yeah, and um, Hamilton, uh, sorry, just to understand what I said about Hamilton. Yes. Yeah, you cut out there briefly. Um, yeah, I know, I, I mean, they are thankful, they should be thankful for Ken Austin. To recognize, have him, that he recognized that his team needed changes, that they needed to have June Jones come in, and they should also be thankful for June Jones and a quarterback in Jeremiah Mazzoli, who may still lead them to a playoff spot, believe it or not. I would agree with you completely on that. Kent Austin was at the top of my list for that. Um, to, you know, realize, okay, we need to make a change here. Uh, to take himself out of the coaching position. Uh, some may argue he may have done that in order to keep his GM job and not, you know, have him be fired outright by the team. Uh, you know, you want to be the first one to act. You want to step down before they're going to tell you to step down. But at the same time, to bring in June Jones, who clearly has revitalized that Hamilton offense especially. Uh, and, and just, I mean, just looking at the game against the Bombers this week for the Ticats, their offensive game plan was outstanding. Uh, they got Alex Green involved in the run, which they, this is something we haven't seen in recent years from the Ticats, the amount they're running the ball lately. That's been a mark June Jones has put on that team. Um, and, and it's working for them. Uh, also to be thankful for, for Ticats fans, kind of, I would say, the rebirth of Brandon Banks. Because you talked about earlier this season, and I talked about how, you know, he was on the verge, I think, of being a bit on the hot seat in Hamilton after a rough start to the year in that losing streak. Now now he's the best performer in that uh, Hamilton offense. And I, I called it coming into the game against the Bombers. I said, boom, it's going to be early on in this game, a long bomb from Jeremiah Mazzoli to Brandon Banks. And sure enough, it happened on the very first drive. Um, because those two have such good chemistry. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's amazing what the mindset of a player is, given a new circumstance and a chance to succeed. Uh, defensively, uh, I, I'd say the Ticats' defense has kind of put it together a little bit more in recent weeks. What, what to you has been possibly the biggest change in that? Getting pressure, and I don't know if John Shett was a problem. I, I would like to think no, but... They seem to really be firing on all cylinders. Got a lot of pressure on Matt Nichols Friday night. Um, 
which was kind of, you know, got him out of the pocket. They they sacked him a couple times. Um, I, I think all around, you talk about Friday night, that was a huge win. The Ticats pulled over uh, off against the Bombers. Um, and, and it's really an indictment of what, what's happened recently, how this team has turned the corner. And with recent wins they've picked up, they've put themselves in the position where they basically control their own destiny now because while the Ottawa Red Blacks have two buys, uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats play the Montreal Alouettes twice, uh, and they play the Red Blacks once. So, you know, they put themselves in a position, and Tiger Cats fans, I know, are thankful for this after such a disastrous start that football is still meaningful in October for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I can't argue with that. Uh, moving on to a team that we might struggle to find things to be thankful for. Uh, the Montreal Alouettes dropped their eighth straight game earlier today, Mike, have been eliminated from the CFL playoff contention. Uh, do, you, do you have positives you can, you can find here? Absolutely. John Bowman. Uh, I saw some things today from John Bowman that made me suggest that he might be done after this year. I don't know. If you saw the camera pan on John Bowman at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really emotional, uh, knowing the season was basically coming to an end. That shows me a David cares, and I don't know, you know, I don't want to say that nobody else cared, but it's in these eight-game looting streets, Ryan, where you find out really who is a character individual and who really cares about the result of their team. Absolutely, I would agree with you on that one. To me, one of the things, one of the bright spots for the Alouettes this season and the thing to be thankful for, the resurgence of Boris Bidet, or Boris Beattie, however you want to pronounce it. Um, Great rookie season, terrible sophomore slump last year. He was kicking only about 50%, made four field goals in the game today. He's up around 80 to 85% kicking this year. Uh, Clearly, you know, he was able to shake off that sophomore slump, and it's great to see because such a promising start to his career after the year he had last year. We weren't sure if he was going to bounce back well, uh, and he's most definitely done that. Yeah, and I've been very easy to throw everything under the bus with what's gone on, you know, in Montreal. I just think they need to look for a permanent quarterback solution. Is that all they're missing? I don't know. I don't know, because until I see some consistency from this team in more ways than what I saw, I, I will give a miss. Tomorrow, this week, today, was their most encouraging effort in quite some time. Absolutely. Unfor- yeah. Yeah. Unfor- unfortunately, in a four-minute span, it all came undone. I would agree with you on that. I, I have to, you know, applaud them. While they lost this game, they, they showed me more than I expected out of them. And so um, maybe, obviously, it's a little too late for out the Alouettes, um, but good to see them put in a bit of an effort today. Um, things to be thankful for in Montreal, while well, I think their their future plans, you know, their their young depth going forward is a concern. They definitely have a couple pieces, though, to build this team around going forward. And two guys in particular I'm looking at, one played today, one didn't. Uh, defensively, Jonathan Mincy has been outstanding, um, you know, in that uh, backfield. Uh, he's a young guy that you can really, I think, build that defense around. 
Uh, and I would say B.J. Cunningham on the offense. He's having his best season of his career. Uh, if you're going to rebuild that offense in Montreal, you better build it around that guy. Yeah, he had a drop today, but I wasn't particularly impressed with uh, on the Alouette's opening drive. I think it was the first throw of the game. Uh, but, again, it's Montreal wins as a team, may lose as a team, right? So, Absolutely. There are, there are more issues that are front and center than that of uh, what we haven't discussed. Right. Um, moving on, Mike, to our... So we've covered everything so far, every team besides the hometown Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Definitely a lot to be thankful for as a Bombers fan because it is fun to be a Bombers fan. Again, uh, I would throw last year in there and this year as well. Um, start rattling off some things for me. Kyle Walters, Michael Shea, and just the ability to stay with the plan even when it wasn't working. And that's something that last year we weren't sure if that was going to happen, right? After the early the the terrible start to the season last year, we thought Mike O'Shea's job was on the line. They end up staying the course, and it's worked out well for him. He's having a great season so far. The Bombers as a whole are having a great season. Kyle Walters has built this football team to be one that contend with the best teams in the CFL. Um, to me, one of the top things to be thankful for here in Winnipeg is the acquisition of Andrew Harris a couple years ago uh, because like I've said time and time again not only that what he does on the football field uh, but what he does in the community as well um, it, he, he's definitely one of my favorite players in the CFL just based on everything he does and you can tell the heart he puts into every single game he plays yeah and uh, and I think Paul Apolise should be on that list too for sure I have never seen a bomber offense this dynamic uh, since, well, maybe the last time La Police ran the bomber offense in the early 2000s. And, and I think there's more that we can throw in there on offense. We haven't even mentioned Matt Nichols yet. The Bombers have a quarterback, Mike. They actually have a quarterback this year that we're confident in that has the ability to pull out football games. We haven't been able to say that perhaps in a long time. Yeah, and it's the defense, too, here. Let's not, you know, kid ourselves here. Other than the effort on Friday, I thought the Bomber defense has played relatively well. Still giving up a lot of yards week in and week out, but definitely, uh, you know, I think in recent weeks prior to this game, we saw a bit of an improvement from them in that. Um, and their ability to force turnovers. As much as I talked about the heart of Andrew Harris and just seeing a guy that you know puts his effort and into every game and loves playing the game of football, I think you can say that about several other guys, many other guys on this football team as well. Um, you look at a guy like Mo Leggett on that de- in that defensive backfield. Um, it's so much fun to watch. There's there there's a lot of fun football to watch in Winnipeg. So many dynamic football players that know how to make those big plays when they need to most. Um, all put together, this team is, despite a loss this week, they're at 10-4 and four on the season. Um, and I, that's more than I could have ever asked for. Absolutely. I think you and I were both saying that the Bombers would be around 500. Yeah, I had them, if, uh, I had them at 500 this year. They're already guaranteed to be higher than that. So, 
they're really only they really only have to win one more game by my mathematics to be at last year's pace. Yep. And then anything beyond that is an improvement. Absolutely. Um, and while they lost this week, I have a hard time seeing them, you know, losing out the rest of the way. So I think they'll get there. It's going to be interesting, this bat-to-bat at home and NPC. It's not a conventional bat-to-bat. It's not back-to-back, though. There is a game in between. Yeah, well, the home bat-to-bat with BC, let's just say that. Right. So they play BC this week, uh, then they travel to Toronto next Saturday, and then BC is back in town the week after. They could theoretically and should win two of the two of the next three. Hopefully. A split against BC and a win against Toronto. Although Toronto is certainly a good football team in their own right. So um, I, I think there's some tough, tough competition to round out the season for the Bombers. And maybe that's a good thing uh, to get them ready for the playoff mentality. For sure. But I think even at this point, there's no easy game in the CFL, period. I mean, look at Hamill. People better be stared out of their you-know-what to play them. No easy games remain in the CFL. Truer words have never been spoken. Um, as a CFL fan of a, as a whole, Mike, um, what, what is there about the league as a whole this year that you have to be thankful for? Randy Ambrosi. Elaborate that on that a little bit. Um, Randy Ambrosi, for me, has done more things as a commissioner in such a short time than I thought anybody ever would. He's probably done more publicly in his short time as commissioner than a lot of guys accomplished in one year. Yeah, he's had had a busy year so far. I think I would agree with you on that one. And he's done a pretty decent job, pretty good job, I should say, uh, so far this year with everything he's done. And I can't wait to see what he does in the offseason. And I sure as heck hope that it means revamping that uh, war room idea in the, the, the eye in the sky that's apparently there, but no one ever notices. Even the command center situation, like, there's got to be some definitiveness as to uh, maybe some changes coming to the command center. I or we're both the eye in the sky and the command center. I, I think we have, among the things to be thankful for as CFL fans, the number of close games we've had this year. It's really been an exciting season of CFL football. Uh, the first couple of weeks we had some insanely close finishes, uh, and there's been a lot of fun and exciting CFL football to watch. Yeah, and I think that a thing to be thankful for as a, as a Canadian football fan too is the ability that they have close games that, you know, we have a CFL culture that's very accepting of others, too. Absolutely. And I think some of the initiatives the CFL has done this year have been um, probably some of my favorite part of this season as a whole and something to be super thankful. The Diversity is Strength uh, campaign from the CFL this year has been was top-notch. Um, and it's absolutely something to be thankful for to see this league support a cause like that. On a personal note, something to be thankful for, the Grey Cup fit-up, which was started with by the CFL community, by uh, Brody Lawson of the CFL, uh, the 100-day fitness challenge leading up to the Grey Cup. I've been taking part in that. This week I will be hitting day 50 
50 straight days of exercise, which I never would have imagined I would actually do. Um, you know, I've tried personally to get into a regular exercise regimen for a long time. I've had the passion for it. I just haven't had the time. When I saw this challenge that Brody Lawson started and the CFL community all jumped on, I saw it. This is a challenge. I enjoy challenges. Let's take it. And I've enjoyed every minute of it. So I'm super thankful for that and thankful for everyone in the uh, Grey Cup Fit Up community all over 200 of us participating that's been supporting one another the entire way through. I have a question, Ryan. Sure. What's, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot here on the podcast, but it's it's something I've often wanted. The great tough fit up. Right. Like, what personally motivates... Like, people have, and, and I know I myself have this um, reluctance or shall we say a lack of motivation to exercise and be in an active and healthy lifestyle. What is it about the Grey Cup fit-up, do you think, whether it's personal, whether you've talked to somebody in, in the, in, in the Grey Cup fit-up group, what is it about this that motivates people? I, I think it's just knowing that other people are taking the same challenge and taking the same journey as you are. You know, 100 straight days of exercise is, is no easy challenge whatsoever. Um, and every day, you know, people checking in, uh, supporting each other with messages. Brody Lawson has responded to basically every single tweet about Grey Cup Fit Up with encouragement, which is insane. Um, so, you know, I think everyone's just united in this goal of trying to improve themselves um and we're all kind of united around it oh no that that's fair it's it's a very great initiative and and, and I'll, I'll you know i kind of want to briefly talk about this and are you okay with going a couple minutes overtime mike oh yeah yeah for sure you know we didn't have a chance to talk about this on the show last week but the gray cup fit up has been kind of so inspiring that Last Sunday, not this past one, but the one before, I actually participated in the CIBC Run for the Cure here in Winnipeg, which for yep. those that don't know, is a five-kilometer walk or run in support of um, the Canadian Cancer Society and raising money for uh, breast cancer research because one in eight women uh, you know, deal with breast cancer and they're trying to find a way to cure this um, I, I had the opportunity to participate in that. I walked the five kilometers because I'm not nearly at the point of running five kilometers yet. Um, but it was great to participate in that, support a great cause like that. And I tell you right now, Mike, I'm training for it right now. Next year, I'll be participating again, and I plan on running the five kilometers. That's great. That's great. And, you know, I've been... Reluctant myself to join the uh, Grey Cup fit up for, for various reasons, even though I know there should be no excuse to not join. But I've been really inspired by what people, including yourself, have done, you know, with the Grey Cup fit up. And I, I've seen some results amongst the community, and that's really, 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 really inspiring. And, you know, like, we just hit, so technically the challenge just hit day 50, uh, I think two days ago. Um, I started a couple days late, so I haven't quite hit day 50 yet. Um, but there's still ha basically halfway to go. I encourage anyone, if they haven't started yet, to give it a shot. 
um, you, you'll find that after, you know, you may find that while it's a challenge to do so, you actually enjoy doing it. Um, it's as easy as going out and going for a walk. You know, I, earlier today I was listening to the Eskimos game and Montreal against the Alouettes um, while going for a walk just to get my daily exercise in. So I think it's a great way that you can get out, get active, and, you know, have some fun doing it. Do fun activities. There's a lot you can do to have fun while being physically active. Yeah, I think a lot of it is the time-consuming. And I, I understand how one would be motivated if, say, in your case, you know, you're doing the great tough bit up, you're going for a walk or whatever, mm-hmm. and, then you're, and then you're listening to Dave and Morley or, you know, whoever you listen to. I know you've listened to multiple CFL games over the course of the great tough bit up. So, I mean, if you, if you do something that interests you, I, I think it's a whole heck of a lot easier. Absolutely. Um to round out our show here this week, Mike, we'll do the weekly picks as we always do. Um, we didn't really talk too much about this week's games, but it was Thanksgiving. We wanted to do a podcast all about being thankful for the CFL uh, and everything involved with it. Um, but let's get into picks going forward to next week's games, uh, starting off with the Hamilton Tiger Cats hosting the Calgary Stampeders. Hamilton hosting Calgary, Calgary off a bye. Oh, boy. One word, Calgary. Yeah, I'm taking Calgary as so, well. There's something about half-natal teams coming off of buys, and they're real, they're really, really good. Yeah, I I think I liked what I I loved what I saw from Hamilton against the Bombers, uh, when they picked up the win Friday night. Does that mean I think they can go out and beat Calgary? No, I I think they'll make it a close game. I'll tell you this, it's certainly going to be a lot closer than the 60-1 to game back in, I think, week six. So I, I think it'll be a close game, but I'm taking the Stampeders to win this one. Um, All right. Rematch from two weeks ago, Ottawa and Saskatchewan. This one in Saskatchewan. If you remember in that game, last game, Mike, Ottawa jumps out to a 17 nothing lead. Saskatchewan comes back and wins 18-17 on a rouge. What happens this time? The Saskatchewan wins at home, fired up Mosaic. I, it'll be a close one, 31-28 Saskatchewan. 31-28 Saskatchewan. I am going to go with the Ottawa Red Blacks, I think. I'm going to take Question, a Before you did any explanation, and I know we're on a podcast we can go over time, um... Why the hesitation? I sent a lot of hesitation on their part. Well, I think Saskatchewan's a great football team. Saskatchewan's playing at home where it gets loud. Um, but I look at that game, Ottawa and Saskatchewan, a couple weeks ago. Look who was at quarterback for Ottawa. It was Ryan Lindley. They jumped out to a 17 nothing lead in that one and just failed to you know, really hang on and let Saskatchewan get back in it. Um, but now that they have Trevor Harris back, you've seen the Riders struggle against the run in recent weeks. They struggled against James Wilder this week, um, and we saw what happened when William, with William Powell the week before. So I think I think that offense for Ottawa is going to be tough for Saskatchewan to handle. So I think I might actually take Ottawa in a close game here. Okay. Um, skip that one for now. Um, Toronto in Edmonton, Eskimos finally snapped the losing streak, Toronto, um, they lost this week in a close one to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, who do you got in this one, Edmonton at home? 
Edmonton home in Toronto. Honestly, if Edmonton made it two in a row, I think it'll be close. There's something about Toronto heading out west that hasn't really added up the last couple of weeks. So I take uh, Edmonton at home. Edmonton at home. I took Toronto against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Riders pulled out the win in that one. I, I think I'm going to go and take the Toronto Argonauts again. While the Eskimos certainly finished strong in this game, it was a little concerning the way they started against the Montreal Alouettes. Um, I like I like Toronto. I like what I've seen from them despite their record in recent weeks. I think the addition of James Wilder, you saw what Terrell Sutton did to that Eskimos defense earlier today. I think t- James Wilder can do a heck of a job open things up for Ricky Ray, and uh, we've seen the struggles on special teams for the Eskimos, and with Martise Jackson back there, he returned a kick against Edmonton a couple weeks ago, I think he could very well return another one here, and so I'm taking the Argos to win. I'd say that's fair. Um, and then Winnipeg hosting BC, both teams off a loss this week, who do you got? BC. So BC wins the season series then, in your opinion. Why BC? What do you like about them? I just, number one, don't know who's going to be a quarterback for the Blue Bombers. Right, we're still waiting to hear um, about Matt Nichols' injury. Um, BC better play with a sense of desperation. And I don't know. I, I'm still Ryan, honestly, in that mindset that you know, the Bombers are on cloud nine, in a bubble. I still have this fear as a fan that one loss, and everything kind of goes back to the old, what it was two years ago. I'll tell you, from what I saw uh, from Hamilton's offense against the Bombers, uh, concerns me a little bit, given that, you know, BC's got Jeremiah Johnson, Chris Rainey, Pretty nasty injury this week, so I don't know if he'll be in this game. Um, but Did you happen to see that hit? Oh, it was, it was pretty bad. It was rough. He he was down uh, for quite a while. I, I can't even believe he got up and walked. Yeah, yeah, it was it was incredible. Um, I really don't know who to pick in this game, Mike, um, because, you know, natural inclination, I think the Bombers are going to bounce back after a loss like this. But also, if, you know, Jonathan Jennings... If he kind of gets, you know, to the Jonathan Jennings we expected him to be this year, I could see it happening against the Bombers because this defense gives up a lot of yards. And what was concerning this last week to me was while the Bombers' defense all year long has given up big plays, it was Chris Randall being beaten on several of them this week when they played the Ticats. And so if your best defenders are getting beaten, that probably means your worst defenders are going to get beaten as well. So I don't know who yeah. to pick, Mike. I, I haven't picked yet. I don't know. Um, so I am going to uh, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take the BC Lions, I think, to win this football game. And, of course, just for, for references of people, it's not that we don't care about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We're looking at this honestly and saying the Bombers are 10-4, and 4, but there are some alarm bells that are ringing. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, I, it was impromptu on the spot. I picked BC. It could very, I could very well change that to Winnipeg before that game plays if Matt Nichols is playing. Um, just because, you know, something's been off in my mind with BC so far this year. It's, it's hard to pick them. That's fair. That's our pick them for the week. Um, 
I guess to close it out, do you have any uh, do you have any thoughts before I I close this out, Mike? I'm thankful for the CFL podcast community, uh, the support that we get for our show, the support that we give to the other shows. It's such a really cool, it's a cool community to be a part of. I, I, you know, I'm thankful for the CFL community as a whole. The CFL community, fans, podcasters, bloggers, you know, players, coaches, like it, it, it feels like a family, right? The CFL community and as a whole, everyone interacting with one another, you know, people you've never even met, you know, talking, getting to talk football with them. Uh, it, it, it's a great thing. The CFL community is definitely, uh, we're so thankful to be a part of it. Um, on that note, I do want to obviously, you know, pass on condolences to the family and friends of Brian Broom, who was a Hamilton Tiger Cats fan, a very active member of the CFL community on Twitter, lived at home in Florida and cheered on his Tie Cats all the time, passed away this past week. Um, and you saw a lot of, you know, memorials to him on Twitter this week, people saying great things about him. And obviously, while we didn't know him personally, chances are if you're involved in the CFO Twitter community, you had some sort of interaction with Brian Broom. Uh, and and it, it's unfortunate, it's sad that he is gone. Um, and so our condolences, our love, and our support to his family, friends, and anyone who knew him. Absolutely. Anything else, Mike, to close this out? No, I just hope the Winnipeg Jets get a have a good week too. That wasn't a good first two games, but yeah, not not a, not a great week for Winnipeg sports. Um, but I, I like to remind you, uh, the Gold Eyes are back to back champs. So at least whatever happens, um, Winnipeg's got that to bank on. I, I want to talk, and I don't know if we have enough time. Uh, I have to do some research on this. It was only brought to my attention recently. But there was a book that came out this past week uh, on a former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, but the first CFL player to win the most outstanding player. Uh, his name escapes me right now, but I, I want to get some information on the show for, for the next time. It sounds good. We will uh, we'll try to remember that for next week. Um, that's all for today's show. Once again, thank you for listening. Thanks for everyone who listens, supports, shares our show every week. It's very much appreciated. Uh, we love hearing comments on our show. If you have any, uh, it makes it fun for us to, you know, get together and do this every single week and, uh, produce these for you guys. So thank you for that. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you did as well, Mike. I did. I did. I had, uh, some family coming from the West Coast. Wonderful. Lots of turkey? Uh, yesterday a little bit more than I wanted, but the bench given for a reason. Absolutely, and a lot to be thankful for with the Canadian you know, Football League. You know, for, for me, it's just being with family. doesn't really have to resemble being around a turkey, you know? Absolutely, I think that's the best way to put it. Um, being around family is the best way you can spend the Thanksgiving holiday. Lots to be thankful for, both as a Canadian uh, living in Canada here and having the Canadian Football League is the best way to sum this up to end off the show. Um, so on that note, for Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop, saying this was the Canadian Football Countdown. Happy Thanksgiving, and have a wonderful day. Bye!